So good evening everybody. Welcome to the evening talk. Lovely to uh, see some folk from the Hermitage Wing. You're very welcome. Um, so um, for those of us on the work retreat, um, we're coming to towards the the end part of our first full day of retreat. Oh, so how are you doing? (laughs) How has it been? How long have you got? (laughs) It's pretty amazing, isn't it? A single day. And what goes on in the silence in, in our heart, in our mind sensitive creatures we are. Mm. Mm. We are affected. Mm. We? we are affected by something. Quite a lot of the time, aren't we reverberating with something? <laughs> like, ooh. So this is the this this word in Pali, chitta, the mind and the heart. It's, it's this affective resonance that we are. It's kind of hard to translate into English. I really like it. I find it so helpful. That this sense of you know life goes ping like that touches you and you go whoa something's always mm, sort of like a what is that like it's like a drum or a what is that like when something goes mm, well, like ringing a bell and it just goes ding sight sounds touches smells tastes thoughts bing <laughs> don't know if that makes any sense to you at all. <laughs> but <clears throat> sometimes the resonance is quite pleasant. Ah, oh, you know, and the chitter is like happy. It's kind of a, kind of like a, mm. <laughs> And sometimes it's maybe quite neutral. It's just mm-hmm. nothing much. And then sometimes it's really unpleasant. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. <laughs> the unpleasant bit. <laughs> um, very prosaic title title for this talk. But anyway, I couldn't really couldn't think of anything else. I, I was thinking of titles with interesting things in like tigers and things, but I, I couldn't quite come up with one. So it's working with difficult emotions. Um, but I really wanted to set it in this context of our time together here. And for each of us, you know, what it is like to, to live with this, this chitter thing that just goes off all the time. And, you know, I think a big part of practice, and I think what, what brings us to practice... Maybe it's 
yeah, is is somehow, you know, it's often about managing that, isn't it? Like, oh, no. And we have a sense of, or sort of, I don't know, the suffering that can uh, be associated with that um, resonant, affected mind, mind. Um, how do we live with that wisely? How do we, you know, take take care of that? How do we um, learn to live with the like maybe you know, one part of this I think is a sort of like almost a, a reclamation of the richness of our emotional life you know kind of you know all of us I think then we have sort of areas of our emotional life maybe you know across the whole range from you know very difficult and unpleasant through the, all the sort of middle area of more neutral and kind of calm through to the really happy happy states all the different that different that range of you how, how, you know, there's areas of it where, where I'm okay with that part. You know, I'm okay with sadness, but I don't do joy. No. Or, well, I'm okay on the extremes of either end, but the middle, neutral? I don't think so. No. It's not how I am. Um, so, Perhaps there's a way in which, you know, as we're here, we have this incredible opportunity in so many ways to attend to and give care and uh, learn what it is to be with this, to steady this, to care for this, you know, this body-mind, this, this, this heart that's so sensitive, so sensitive and through that sensitivity, there's so much beauty, isn't there? So much loveliness, but also so much hurt and so much harm that can come when that's, you know, when that's unconscious, when it's not understood. And we've been hurt and we've hurt others through not being able to know and relate to and be mindful of chitta, mind. And... and our Western sense of emotions is not really there in the in the early Buddhist teachings very predominantly. It really talks about mind state, but I really I really want to kind of try not to be too technical, and kind of just try and include this whole range of of our affective sense, or whether we perceive that as a mood or a mind state or a full blown emotion, where then perhaps it's actually a more complex experience that involves bodily you know, sensations and contractions or expansions and um, pleasure and pain and, and, and different thoughts, of course, as well, which is a huge part of what we experience as emotion. Thought, thought. It's not interesting, you know. I, I think sometimes when I try and, you know, sort of investigating emotion, that it really depends on the grasping hold of a particular thought... Um, I'm going to give you just a, a small example of where I really noticed this. Um, I was walking a few days ago and saw one of these old um, 
roller, in a really, really heavy um, iron roller that they used to roll cricket pitches. And it was sitting in the side of the field, rusting away, because I've got a newer one. And I could see, I, I kind of caught sight of this thing in the, sort of in the grass. And it was just this instant, sort of, this world, this sort of emotion thought world of, it's incredible, the mind is incredible, isn't it? It was like, instantly, there was this whole thing of, the village where I grew up and my, my foster dad who collected rusty things and then the nostalgia and the sadness and it all happened in about like that. And the sadness. Oh. Isn't that amazing? Do you know what I'm... I don't know if you... And, and what I think the real power of the mindfulness in that moment for me was, <coughs> was really clear. I didn't get caught in it. I really... Oh, gosh, you know. And it just sort of arose and passed, and I walked by, and then there was, you know, dog rushed up to me, took me completely by surprise. Anyway, you know, it's like something else happened. There's this, oh, this dog. So I was thinking, I think I was thinking about the reflecting on, you know, the, the roller ex- event, and um, this dog suddenly appears. And then the, I love dogs, but I love them. So, there, but there was this initial, you know, that surprise of like, oh, you know, I didn't see you coming, and then ah. Oh, Lovely doggy, want, 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 take you home. <laughs> I hope this is, you know, I'm taught, you know, it's not amazing. It's like, this happens and you feel it, and that happens, ooh, and then that, wow. And, you know, maybe we have a certain amount of, well, do we? I mean, I was going to say control. No, that's really, we haven't, have we? <laughs> but we can bring wisdom. We can, we can. It, it's this, isn't it, part of the, the what mindfulness can do for us to actually, oh, yeah, this is, wow. And there's somehow more choice then. We don't have to, you know, go riding on that thing, you know. There are many examples probably you could too. I want to give one other example and then I will actually go back to my talk. But anyway, the, the talk is happening anyway, so. Um, I, I often tell this story, so if you've heard it before, I apologise. But it, it, it seems to be a good story to tell. And often people say, oh, it was a good story. So I said, well, don't encourage me. I'll say <laughs> it. It happened when I was in Helsinki Airport, because I am lucky enough to go to Finland to teach sometimes. And um, so I was walking into, through Helsinki Airport, coming into the arrivals part, and this man sort of walked by me quite closely and brushed me with his briefcase. And this wave of rage just went like this, just like, how dare you, you know, like this. I was like, ooh, <laughs> that's interesting. And, 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 and as he walked by, there was that initial rush, and then I had this image kind of flash in my mind of me, of me kicking him. You know, it's just like, whoosh, yeah, kick. And I, I didn't do it, you know, I, fortunately. So I was on the way to teach a retreat, so I was like, be mindful, okay, yeah. <laughs> feel, feel steady, open. <laughs> oh, and it really was, and I sort of think it's a bit of an advert for mindfulness. You see, you practice mindfulness and you won't kick people. <laughs> but, it, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a serious point, isn't it? Because... A lot of these, what we call difficult emotions, we're frightened of them. 
We're frightened of anger, frightened of fear, frightened of sadness. And those are some of the main ones, aren't they? And we have more complex ones like guilt and envy. And I mean, it seems like the Western mind is just sort of continually sprouting in different versions of all these different emotional tones. Through Sometimes I think it's through the, the complexity of the narratives that this culture produces. And it's, anyway, that's another talk. Um, so it was it was it was very it was a very strong experience for me because I could see that something got triggered, you know, a pattern, a deep seated pattern, which I know is about well, I need to go into what it's about, but I know what it's about. Um, <laughs> but whoa and then being able to see like, oh okay. And the restraint and the seeing and then later on I actually saw him again in the airport and I was maybe well. And I was actually, you know, I was actually able to, to do that. I hope I, I hope that story makes sense, but it, it, it's kind of another testimony to, um, and I'm not maybe always able to unhook that clearly, but I'm, I swear, I'm, that's what I'm working towards. <laughs> it's the Buddha so concerned to help us to be, to feel okay, you know, to to have wholesome emotions and to let go of these unwholesome ones, and this is the this is a primary way, is through this. Um, mindfulness that actually frees up our wisdom, makes a, a space, doesn't it? A sort of creative space in which actually almost like a, a right response can arise on its own. And we just, it's like, we're just present and there's like a wisdom that just comes. And one of my most beloved teachers, Ajahn Suchito, who's the abbot of um, Chittavaveka Monastery, south of London, he, he put it like this. When we bring mindfulness to bear on how we're affected, what arises is the means to handle the emotions in a non-separative, non-judgmental way. Mm. So, as with a lot of practice, I think in a way it's much simpler than we think. Because I think with a lot of these, you know, fear, it can get so complicated. It can get, you know, it can tell these stories. Well, you've got to go here and you've got to go there and you've got to stop that. You've got to fix this and you've got to go on that course. And you've got to come on 15 more retreats and then maybe. And, or, you know. <laughs> and, and there's something about, isn't there, the power of this, like being able to um, be with, to open to. And to find this middle way between suppression, which we all do, you know, it's not a judgment, it's just we have that conditioning, we have that habit, and, and a sort of acting out, you know, kind of trying to, you know, that it just somehow, that we, we try and sort of release the emotion through yeah, saying the thing, or doing the thing, or going and like, whether it's to ourselves. Or to another. And I think that the, the sort of violence and harshness that can be directed towards oneself is one of the hardest things to open to and to admit and to be uh, honest enough so that we can actually then make the movement towards releasing that habit and learning to bring care to ourselves. 
Um. <sighs> this is making sense. Also, you notes. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. Um, another thought I had while well, I was, I was, um, I don't know if, again, this isn't going to make any sense, but I was watching these seagulls kind of floating around. So much, somehow in nature, there's so many, so much wisdom there somehow, that somehow things get reflected back. And I was thinking about how they say the wings, you know, the bird of freedom flies with two wings, the wings of wisdom and compassion. And how in working with emotions, in, in learning that skillfulness of of, of coming close to and, and working skillfully and wisely with the difficult emotions. It's such, it's such a rich, powerful um, liberation, or practice of liberation, practice of wisdom and compassion. Because, and you probably, you probably know this, don't you? It's like when you can, some, some, some sadness or some... Fear when you can finally really allow, you know, when it really and it moves through, and there's a kind of sense, there's no sense of release that somehow some identification we've had with a particular story about ourselves or another or what life has to be like, or it's like, oh, is, is, is somehow the so the freedom and the healing um, when we can. And again, you know, gradually, gently, not pushing this, but then have the courage to um, to work with these um, difficulties. And and also, I think that when we can, that that to the degree we can open to the difficult, we are expanding our capacity for joy. I I think that's true, but you can see what you think. But that's in a way as a kind of an encouragement, you know, because it's it's actually somehow I don't know quite how that works that we're we're more available for joy. So I wanted to share with you um, a teaching you may know of that I think is a really helpful little structure. I like little structures in the Buddha. You know, so many of them. This was actually created by a, an American teacher called Michelle MacDonald, I think, so bow to her. But you may know of it because it's, it's in the literature. So if this is familiar, I hope it'll still be helpful sort of to touch on it because I, I think it's something, it's a kind of takeaway tool, you know, that can really help you when you're in those hot spots or just really anywhere in your life and your practice. And it, it's, about, it, it's a sort of four steps of... Um, which I've already kind of touched on little bits in my um, introduction. Uh, it's an acronym. It spells RAIN. RAIN. It's appropriate, isn't it? RAIN. <laughs> um, R-A-I-N. And I'll go through them. Recognize. Accept. Investigate and non-identify. So I'll just go through, let's say a little bit about each one. And 
I think that this is this can work and be helpful for uh, for us really in, in almost any time. I'll sometimes use it even if I'm not upset. I'll just sort of okay, recognizing what's going on. Was yeah, is there anything I'm not quite accepting? And and then the, you know it's like it's really or you might use you might you might use one and not not all four of them anyway. I think it's a a way a really a really helpful um, sort of tool. So this recognize this turning towards and opening to so you know this this is a to be able to. Um, sometimes to name but even if we don't have a name it's classic Ajahn Sumedho it's the abbot of Amravati it's like this (laughs) it feels like this you know right now it feels like this and we don't always you know like well I don't have a name for it I could call it anxiety I could call it irritation I don't know but we can feel it, can't we? And this is where we can be creative. There might be an image, you know, or like a texture word, like spiky or sort of scrunched up. Or um, what are they? Are they adjectives? What kinds of words are they? Are they? Are they, are they adjectives? Or, um, tight, um, floppy. Or, yeah, those sorts of words. I think incredibly helpful because. We, we, it brings us closer to this really this sort of the actual felt experience of what's happening in the body you know emotion mood mind stays registering in the body we might also notice it through our thoughts through our behaviors sometimes you know, oh, oh, this is how am I feeling look at what you're doing <laughs> you know, and get clues Seeing what kinds of thoughts are around, but this coming close to this, the te- the texture of it, we can we can work more directly with ah oh, that, hmm. and you know we can go through our body. I think sometimes again working with the body, we can see our arms are actually quite happy, our legs are a bit bored, but they're all right. The unhappiness is here. Did you see? It's like recognizing even in one moment, actually, if you look around, in this case, you know, the body, the embodied mind, I propose and suggest that you can always locate more than one emotion or feeling state or uh, it's really interesting. And and one of the things that we start to see, you know, obviously it's like we know our tendencies, where we get tracked, where we tend to go with our attention, with our, you know, what kinds of emotions, and then the way that that's held in the body and the way we attend, it sort of keeps something going. The way we breathe to keep anxiety going or anger. So interesting to look at the bodily level of that. And sometimes maybe it's just enough to recognize and we say, oh, right. Yeah, it's very... And like in the, the examples I gave, something can just arise and pass. 
The second, the A, the, the, the accept, I think is possibly one of the most crucial parts for, for a lot of us for some of the reasons I was mentioning earlier. Because of our sort of fear of parts of our emotional life, you know, understandably, and how we wolf or compartmentalize things, or we just haven't learned, for example, how to feel sad without it going bad, you know, without it becoming depression or anger. Or, you know, it's just it's just sadness, yeah. or or um, being able to feel fear. I have this wonderful teaching from um, another teacher I love called Charlotte Joko Beck. Um, where is it? Where is it? I lost it. So here. If you are afraid, just be fear. And right there, you are fearless. I'll come back to that. It's a lot in that. It can work. I'll come, I'll come back to that. Um, so it's this, sometimes what I call a sort of radical non-interference, which I think is sort of the, the sort of full power of, of mindfulness. And I, I wanted to read you a bit by Analio, who wrote this really splendid book on mindfulness. And it's so clear. And just, just to get this sense of the power of what he calls an honest acknowledgement of the existence of hidden emotions, motives, tendencies in the mind, um, maintaining a non-reactive awareness, counters the impulse towards either reaction or suppression contained in the unwholesome state of mind and thereby deactivates their emotional and attentional pull. I'll go that because it's a bit technical, but I just think it's so helpful. If you can, I'll just kind of go through it again. And, and, and probably, you know, we kind of, I hope you sort of recognize this, a non-reactive awareness, this... This, this, you know, partly I've been, I've been sort of the allowing, this kind of, can you actually come present and finding a place where you can actually allow thing, things to be as it is. It's that kind of, not um, in the satipatthana, it's just that giving up covetousness and grief with regard to the world. <laughs> I love that this world of our emotions, this world that we're experiencing, to, to let go of the covetousness, the wanting, the wanting, and the grief, the wanting, the pushing away, the pull and push. It counters the, the, it's almost like the fear is, it's like calling you to react to it because, you know, if you try and push me away, then that keeps me going. So go on, come on. Try and push me away. Yeah, now I can't. It keeps me going. Well, being, I mean, I, you know, it, it is something very important there. Well, anger. Says, yeah, you should be angry. And you should be angry with me because you shouldn't be feeling angry. 
You know, it's the very, it's like that mind state, whether it's anger or fear or sadness. Look at this, it kind of, it colors and shapes and guides, if we're not fully mindful of it, our response. So we're agitated, and the agitation is giving us all these messages and prompts to be more agitated. It's really, it's such a, it's such a, a, a helpful thing to see. And that by not reacting, somehow finding that place of what I call a sort of radical non-interference. Like he's saying, yeah, that is... That the mind state can't feed itself from our energy, from the energy which, the energy of our mind which travels down the avenues of attention. So again, it's, isn't it, it's like it can be like a planet, it's like a gravitational pull, hasn't it, sometimes, or distress. It's like, it sort of sucks us in. It's got this pull. Yes, pay attention to me, and kind of, you know, fidgeting. So non-reactive awareness, being able to Really, and, and I really don't, I, I, I don't think that's easy. I think it's really possible to learn and to um, bring to more and more of the, those difficult areas. <clears throat> I've got this little book, I write down lots of quotations I love, I really encourage, I really think that's a great practice, but some of them I love to share Pema Chodron is another one, really great teacher um, it's been a huge help to me said the healing comes from letting there be room for all of this to happen room for grief for relief for misery for joy hmm. so a little bit on investigate so we've got R, recognize. A, accept. I, investigate, which is really, you know, a lot about what I'm sort of doing in this talk. And it's, what's happening? What's happening is such a great question. I've also found really helpful with places where I've got really stuck is what am I unwilling to feel right now? What am I unwilling to feel? But the right now bit is important because otherwise it can get a bit discursive and sort of theoretical and about last week and next Tuesday. And just again, not pressure or demand, but just being really patient. What does this need? And this is this is a really you know when we sometimes I think we don't we we can we can it's almost like that's the way in. Like, you know, I'm saying you, you don't have to do the recognizing except before you do the investigation, you do the investigation first. And you can even go to what does this need? Like for example, um 
lovely story about Tehnat Han um, when he was teaching, and there was uh, somebody in the audience who said something, and Tehnat Han got up out of his seat and left. Great Vietnamese and teacher, for those of you who may not know, and left and, and left the podium and went out behind. And his attendant or somebody came and asked, "You know, are you all right?" and it turned out that that this what this person had said had made him really, really angry. So he stepped away. He stepped away, and I just, I just think that's a great example of such a, you know, such a great realized being and great meditation teacher and master, and you know that that wisdom of of knowing he needed to step away, and sometimes you know. That's what we need to do too, with our attention or with our body, you know, removing ourselves from a situation. So that, again, that we don't have a fixed idea about what, what, what we need to do. We can open up, get creative. I think that's why talking and sharing with others can be so helpful as well, can't it, with this, it opens it up. Anyway, lots, lots more. I'm going to say a little bit about non-identify. Um, I know each of these is a whole talk in itself, really, but so recognize, accept, investigate. And non identify is this possibility of a perspective on our experience where we practice seeing it as just this human experience happening <laughs> I don't know you know whether it's sensation or when we unhook from the story of me and how I feel this and 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 come into the direct experience there's this possibility of you sort of perceiving it as energy knots of energy that it's like this sort of energy of the body-mind and then energy gets knotted up and we just need to help it kind of untangle. But it's just human, human experiencing. I don't know if that makes any sense to you at all. That it can be so freeing and actually so helpful and supportive for the other step. <coughs> oh, I feel terrible, but oh, this is this kind of, yeah, people, everybody has this and it's not... And, and it sort of can help with those other movements of, of really owning, recognizing, you know, accepting, so on. That it is just unpleasant. I think sometimes that's whoa, that's amazing. It's just, it's just, it's just unpleasant. It's just unpleasantness happening, and it's going to pass. Which is another part of the non-identifying. It's like this is not. It's almost like it's the me, my, meing and myeing and I, and it, it really creates a sense of a something that's here that I've got to do something about. Oh. And that's what we're doing so much of the time. It's this kind of spasming of, of, of creating a, a self and a self-creating experience because otherwise, who are we? What would we be if we weren't having an emotion? And then 
I hope that makes some sense and, and it's I guess finding our own way where we, we can say oh this is not me, there's no me here it's just this, it's just this everybody has this or is this coming at us from someone else and we can say it's not them it's not you, it's just this you know, energy in another person, all of this I meant to say near the beginning, I think you can really apply to uh, you know, externally, internally, other people, ourselves, so equally helpful. You know, and I, I think of mentioning no names, certain people very close to me in my life who I have trouble with. And when I can look and say, well, that's just his, you know, his conditioning and everything that he learned to be in his youth and how he's, you know, and it's, yeah. And it's harder to do it, isn't it, with people you know, especially yourself. <laughs> this one here. And to, to practice doing that with others perhaps helps us to forgive, to, to release and, and to forgive ourselves and to release ourselves and others from this compulsive, you know, meing and youing and kind of, it's, that there is a level at which sometimes we need to work on on those stories and those issues. And I, I always feel a bit uncomfortable talking about this because it's not meant to demean or belittle or dishonor any any hurt or any anything. But it's seeing how we make what we make things mean about me, what we make things mean about you. And how much suffering comes from that. And when, when that can be released, then we can see things differently. And sometimes maybe it takes someone else. You know, I can think of times, maybe you can, where I couldn't quite unhook. I couldn't do it myself. I needed somebody to sit in front of me and saying, that is not you. It's just happening. It'll pass. Or, you know, something like I remember once sitting in front of a teacher and, you know, completely identified with feeling like a just worthless piece of, you know. And and this person very compassionately looking at me and saying, I don't see it like that. I don't see you, that's... And just that, you know, it's like... In that moment, I couldn't completely let go of it, but that stayed with me because in that moment there was somebody witnessing, bearing witness to the fact that that wasn't the whole truth. And it, yeah, very powerful what we can offer to others by not, not either affirming or denying, but just, just I, you know, you can look at somebody and see see the bigger picture of who they are. Okay. Hmm. So recognize accept investigate and non-identify rain 
just listening to the rain outside and that image of rain that falls with mercy that falls like a gentle rain from heaven upon the place beneath it is twice blessed blesseth him that gives I can't remember it's not terribly sunny that receives I just the, the, the mercy of all of the this practice that it's a merciful practice that we are encouraged and invited to to meet ourselves and others with with wisdom and with mercy so that we can and be free to experience joy, generosity and love. Let's just sit quietly together for a couple of minutes. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.